baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Hour number two here on 97.1 FM Talk. Joe Beamer filling in. For Mark Reardon, Mark will be back tomorrow, and he has got a packed show for you, including two members of Congress who right now are voting on the Biden impeachment probe, and we will keep you updated on how that is going. Um, It is great. It's always great to be with you, right? And we are so uh, thankful that you are making us a part of your day, and you got us on in the car Always in the car, on the smart speaker, in the office, on the phone, on the computer, wherever you're listening to us, um, we're happy that you're doing so. And, you know, if you missed any of this show or any of the past shows, you can go to that great Odyssey app and listen on demand. And you know what? Here's a plug. Maybe you're, you, you've, you've listened to everything on the station. And you're like, I still want more content. You can always listen to this little show we call Beamaz and Beamer up in Buffalo uh, if you want to. That's on demand as well on that same Odyssey app. Just saying. Just saying if you uh, want to see what I'm up to uh, in western New York. Um, I, 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 I have a lot of things I want to get to, and we will throughout the show. Uh, don't forget, Daniel Turner will be joining us after the break, uh, CEO of Power of the Future. Always great talking with him. And then Frank Cusimano, uh, very excited to talk with him about the uh, Blues coach firing and the interim coach and where do you go from here. I mean, you're in early December and you're firing your coach. There's a lot of season left. Um, so where the Blues expect to go, uh, how successful can an interim coach be? We've got all of that ahead for you. Um, but we are in the second hour, and it's the beginning of the second hour. So as always, it is time for Sue's News. These allegations are deeply concerning. Does the president have any comment? We're not going to comment. It's not clear messaging. No, 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 no. And now, Sue's News, sponsored by Mr. Appliance, speedy expert service. Call 636-674-6446. Well, we've got to, on this day in history today, and uh, it looks like I'm not going back too far, Fred. Okay. Just 45 years ago. <laughs> When in 1978, the Philadelphia Mint began stamping the Susan B. Anthony dollar. Do you even remember these, uh, uh, Abby? Uh, no, not yep. at all. Fred? Oh, yeah, I remember them. I collected Turn them. that down yeah. just a little bit more. Do you remember these, Joe? I don't think you were around either. Is it the, the I only remember the uh, ones that came out with the early 2000s, the golden one. Mm, yeah. Is that they, the Sacagawea ones? I think yes, so. That's it. I remember those. Yeah. Well, the reason that they, uh, it was the first coin to honor a woman, but it was taken out of circulation really, really quickly because it was too easy to mistake it for a quarter. 
Which is why they, when they did Sacagawea, they made it gold so right. you could at least tell what was happening. So that was 45 years ago today. And then 44 years ago today, in 1979, the National Christmas Tree went dark to honor the American hostages in Iran. You remember that? Only the star on the top of the tree was lit. And President Carter said the rest of the tree would not be lit until the hostages returned home. And it stayed dark until Reagan's inauguration in January of 1981. I, like I did too. I had yeah. forgotten that. I did too. And I thought that was a really nice move. 38 years ago, I don't remember this at all. Fred, you're going to have to help me here. 38 years ago, in 1985, the movie version of Clue was released. Yeah, yeah I okay, do Okay, you read, no, Abby, yes. I love that movie. Have you seen it, Joe? Never seen Clue, no. Tim, Tim Curry, I think, was in that. Yeah, I think he so. Was. Uh, here's what I didn't remember. It had three different endings. So on the DVD, you get them all, but at theaters, you'd only get one. So they'd list in the newspaper which ending was playing at which theater. I totally remember that. Really? Yeah. I love that. I did not pay attention. I like the Clue home game, right? Mr. Right. Uh, White or Mrs. White in the Into study. conservatory with a rope or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, Rich. I didn't realize. I kind of love that you would look up in the newspaper. Oh, you know what? I don't like that ending. I'll go to <laughs> Ronnie's and see the one that doesn't have it. Uh, actor Andre Brower passed away at 61. He was fantastic. Have you seen anything? Brooklyn Nine Nine was it? Is it Nine yeah, Nine? He was great Nine-Nine. in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked him in Homicide. Did oh, you watch that? Oh for yeah, him? I watched every one of those. Those were great. He was only 61. He played multiple TV roles: Homicide, Life on the Street, Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's also remembered for his role in the film Glory. Now, he was nominated for 11 award, yeah, different awards during his lifetime. He won two Emmys, and one was for playing Detective Frank Pemberton on Homicide. He was so good in that role. And then he turns around and is uh, completely comedic on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He could do anything. Um, The other Emmy he won was for being a master criminal in something called Thief, that was an FX series in 2006. I didn't see that. I didn't either. That may be worth going back and revisiting. Yeah. He won an Emmy for it, and he it's just awesome. So, unfortunately, that happened. All right, we're starting to get the end-of-the-year reports, and we've already been through a few. But today we find out from Grubhub what was released uh, this year and what were the top trends of orders. <laughs> okay. More than 600,000 customers ordered the following. I'll have a salad with a side of french fries. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. But see, Abby, the french fries were the top side-ordered dish. The most requested french fry style was classic cut, followed by waffle fries, cheese fries, sweet potato fries, and curly fries. What is your fry of choice, Fred? I think it might be... Crinkle fries? I don't know, oh, you know what those oh, are. Oh, yeah, well, yeah you're right. I don't see it on here. What's yours, Joe? I like the really uh, thick ones, too. Waffle fries. Waffle. Uh, yeah. Chick-fil-A waffle fry. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that, Abby. I'm a good classic straight. Same here. Straight cut. Give me the like straight a, cut. Like a McDonald's fry. Yeah, yeah, those fat ones are too dry. I agree Potatoey. There's nothing in that. What about the steak and shake type of fries? Oh, super I skinny. Love those. Super love skinny them. Oh, yeah. Do you have steak and shake, buffalo? No, but uh, when I'm road tripping, I stop at them. Mm. Good. 
Uh, they say that people are not pretending to eat healthier by putting veggies on pizza. <laughs> they, even though they order a salad and french fries, pizza, they give it all up. Grubhub's most popular pizza style of 2023 was, it's, this is, what, cheese. Yeah. <laughs> are, are they feeding, is that your favorite pizza? Anyone? No. You want something on there. Okay, cheese is number one, followed by margarita, pepperoni, buffalo chicken, and Hawaiian. Yeah. Margarita. I oh. like a margarita pizza. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. What's and, on a margarita pizza? Isn't Not a margarita. It just, uh, no, no. <laughs> I believe it's just some mozzarella and some basil. It's like yeah. a real plain but really delicious <laughs> thing. Uh, Hawaiian means pineapple, and they say pineapple on pizza, which is a travesty, <laughs> rose 33% since last year. Fred, I'm pineapple? Anti-pineapple on my pizza. Agreed. Abby, uh-oh. I'm, I'm a big fan of pineapple on what pizza. Is, what is Joe? No. no. I worked at a pizzeria for 14 years, but i just uh, not a fan of the pineapple on pizza. Did you? What's your favorite? Well, then you should know. What is the best pizza to order? Well, I think a New York style pizza with with cheese, like Dave Portnoy, is yeah. is the best everywhere because that gives you the best idea of what kind of pizza. But I'm weird. If I'm getting a pizza for just me, I like onions, cherry peppers, and bacon. Onions, cherry yeah. peppers, and bacon. I like bacon, green pepper, onion. That's but you know, too. I understand. Everybody knows the rules. Dave Portnoy. <laughs> okay. Uh, this year, over 53 million items were ordered with heat. The most popular spicy orders were spicy potato soft tacos, yes, spicy chicken sandwich, spicy tuna roll, hot and sour soup, and drunken noodles. You've had spicy potato soft tacos. I haven't, Fred. I have not. Joe? No. They're Abby. a Taco Bell treat. They're like a dollar and some change. What? They used to just be a dollar, but you know, things are way more expensive now, and they're just... Little chunks of fried potato and a spicy sauce on a soft taco. It's delicious. We should try that, Fred. I got nothing against that. (laughs) A couple in New York State, I was thinking this uh, last night. Somebody was complaining on Next Door, as they always do. I think that's (laughs) all anybody does on Next Door. Yeah, I think it's Next Complaint. Oh, my gosh. That is 100% accurate, Fred. But this woman said, they need to fix the sidewalk over by Candy Cane Lane because my grandson tripped. But it made me think about all the lights over there. And you really can get dazzled and not pay attention to where you're walking. And then I saw this story this morning. There's a couple in New York State, Tim and Grace Gay. They hold the record for the most Christmas lights on a residential property. Back in 2012, they put up over, you ready? 346,000 lights. Then they beat their own record in 2014 with over 600,000 lights. Thousands of people visit their home every December, and it's just outside Poughkeepsie. Do you know about this, uh, Joe? I, I, this is the first time hearing. They use it as a fundraiser for local charities, and that part is nice. They've raised close to 700 grand over the years. Also very nice. But now... The neighbors cannot take it anymore. They're just sick of it. The lights are extremely bright. There's an endless line of cars. They blast music through big speakers night after night after night. 40 nights. Now, a guy named Edward Cash, he apparently lives really close to it. He calls it, he's a neighbor, he calls it running a Legoland out of your property for 40 days a year. 
He ran for a seat on the city council last year to make the city reign in the display. He thought, if I'm a council member, I could bring up a vote and we can bring this, you know, let's, here's the limit. It's only 300,000 lights you can do, but he lost. Mm. So this year's display is bigger than ever. 720,000 lights, 1,700 strobes, and a playlist with 255 songs. Okay, who's doing the counting? I don't know. (laughs) That's a good question. They opened the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, What would you do if your neighbor was doing that, Joe Beamer? I would say, could you please just stop around 8? I I, I like the idea of getting into the Christmas spirit, but I also like the idea of my son and myself. I I have to be up at 3 in the morning, so I like the the idea of getting to sleep. But I, I, I do like the passion. I do, too, but it would make me nuts. I could not handle it. Fred? Yeah, I, I couldn't handle it either. Abby? I just hope I'm the neighbor right next door so I can have, like, a ditto sign in my yard. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> that. That, that's what You know how old is. that would give for 40 days straight? Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. It, uh, uh, uh. We had that problem here on uh, Halloween. There was someone complaining that uh, there was a person next door playing, like, haunted houses noises, but it never shut off. So, like, at 1 in the morning, oh. you'd be hearing, ooh. Oh. Okay, no. Sue, how close do you live to Candy Cane Lane? I am not close. Not close. No. I'm wondering how bad the traffic is. It's pretty. Uh, well, last year when we went through, you really do sit there yeah. just to even get in it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, but it's a known factor. In other words, when people sell houses over there, they say this is Candy Cane Lane. This is part of what you're going to deal with. You have to disclose that sort of thing up front because wow. it's a thing. Because if you're going to live there, we have a play, we have a s- section of the city called Candy Cane Lane, and everybody does their house, Joe, and then you can drive by it, and the kids love it. But man, you is know, it something! As a callback to uh, to Monday, that sounds like the making for a Hallmark movie. You know, the person <laughs> who's not bit. into Christmas you're moves right. into Candy Cane Lane. Uh, in breaking news, Fred has watched that movie again. Oh, yeah, right. actually, I'm, I'm on my third time. I got to stop. I really have to stop. I know. Well, it's it's, it's not it's, surprising it's, it's you joyful. anymore. Yeah, it's nice. You could watch a new one, I, a different one. There's so many. Yeah. I know. know what? You just but like that one? I know this one, one now. <laughs> <laughs> I know how it ends. By the way, have you, has, has anyone there seen Christmas Detour with uh, Candace Cameron? No. Is it good? So. Yes. She's flying to New York to to meet her fiance's family, and they have to emergency <laughs> land of course. in Buffalo. <gasps> yes. So, you know, anything, we're such a small town, anything happens in Buffalo, we have to talk about it. Uh, and they have to rent a car because, believe it or not, the snow is, which this would, the snow is too bad in Buffalo and they can't take off. Uh, so Christmas Eve, they have to drive the last remaining rental car to New York City. I won't give away the rest. Oh, yeah. You know what? Gee, I, I can't figure out what will happen. Fred, here's the good news. <laughs> they all end the same. Oh, So you, can, okay. you are safe watching right. any that's single good. one okay. of them. That's all a happy ending. Uh, okay. You could look for that one in Buffalo, for heaven's <laughs> sake. Netflix has been kind of notoriously tight-lipped about its viewer data, but yesterday... It revealed its most watched content, but only for the first half of the year. It's okay. like, okay, why are we, okay. Number five was Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story. And this is broken down by hours, 503 million hours of viewing that. Number four was one for Abby, Wednesday, season yeah. one. People watched that for 507.7 million hours. The Glory was number three, six, 622.8 million. 
Number two, Ginny and Georgia season two, 665.1 million hours. And I did not watch this. Number one was season one of The Night Agent. Have you seen that one, Joe? I have not. I haven't seen actually anything of those top five. I haven't either. And people watched that for 812.1 million hours. The thing is, you'd have to go back. You know, this is the beginning of the year, so you'd have to remember what you were watching all the way back then. Mm -hmm. Sue's News brought to you by Mr. Appliance Speedy Expert Service. Call 636-674-6446. And you know what? I talked to Chad of uh, Mr. Appliance. We've actually been emailing. And I said, what is one of the major appliances? What do you mostly get called for this time of year around the Christmas holiday? He said, they tend to see more refrigerator, ice makers, and oven calls, right? You're thinking, oh, no, the people are coming, and my ice maker hasn't worked for a year. I better call Mr. Appliance. Now is the time. Or if your oven doesn't work and you need it fixed, now is the time before it's Christmas. Fred, how was the party at your house last time? Oh, it was great. Lots of good food. My wife had a discussion group. So a lot of people were over there talking about their uh, season memories when they're from their childhood. Oh, so that's kind nice. Of fun. No wonder you watched that movie for the third time. Yeah, I, I had to hide in the basement. <laughs> and, I couldn't be up and take part in the discussion. Totally understand that. And finally in Sue's News, we have today's random fact. Clocks run clockwise because that's the direction shadows would move around a sundial. At least in the northern hemisphere where clocks were developed. Clocks run clockwise because that's the direction shadows would move around a sundial. And there you have it. That's it for Sue's News. Thank you, Sue. I have to say, Netflix, I watch a lot of Netflix, but I watch the same show, and I'm surprised my view, my viewing did not get in the top five because uh, I watch Seinfeld. Uh, that's about <laughs> all. Because I don't want to spend time looking for something to watch because by the time I find it, I've run out of time by watching all the trailers. So you know I know what? Seinfeld. I get that. And, and we talk about that uh, a lot. It, it's the benefit of a half-hour show. It, it, oh, yeah. there, there's an upside. You know, oh, yeah. you could just sit there without being there forever. And I know I won't be disappointed. Exactly. It, that is uh, Sue's News. Sue, thank you. When we come back, we'll be joined by the CEO of Power of the Future, Daniel Turner. It's Joe Beamer filling in for Mark Reardon here on 97.1 FM Talk. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey, welcome back. It's Joe Beamer in for Mark Reardon on this Wednesday. Halfway to the weekend. Hope uh, the week's going well for you. Hope today's going well for you. We are uh, so thankful that you have made us a part of your day. And we are joined this segment by Daniel Turner. He is the CEO of Power the Future. Daniel, it's been a while. 
It's great to be back on with you. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. And uh, you wrote a uh, an op ed uh, at Real Clear Energy, and it's talking about uh, to beat China, Joe Biden must support fossil fuels. Daniel, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean this is this is a little bit of wishful thinking, right? But it is Christmas time, so you know maybe maybe Santa will grant us this wish. Uh, but yeah, this is this is a, a, an understanding of where. All of the wind and solar and EVs and uh, batteries that this green movement is pushing on us, where they're all made. Uh, they're all made in China. Seventy percent of them are manufactured in China. And probably even a greater threat than that is that 90 percent of the raw materials and rare earths that make these products are in markets controlled by China. So every time we hear that we're going to make this transition to wind or solar, or every time they say we're going to have all of the cars be EVs by the year 20-whatever, just know that that is a huge giveaway to China. And, and if you really want to defeat China, you've got to embrace what is domestic, and our fossil fuels are inherently domestic. It, it, it does seem like they're talking in circles when they talk about, you know, wanting to defeat uh, some of these, you know, let's just say what they are, evil countries uh, um, that, you know, have don't have our best interests. Uh, and, and, but at the same time, they are not drilling here in the states. They're actually doing less drilling here in the states and depending more on these other countries, because as you said, um, if if we would do what we were doing during the Trump administration and, you know, get more oil here in the country, we could actually uh, bankrupt countries like Russia and Iran. Absolutely. And it's part of the craziness of this green agenda. And it makes you realize there's a lot more at stake than just climate change or the environment. Um, and, and what do I mean by that? Every electric vehicle requires around 60 to 80 pounds, depending upon the size of copper and electric buses require hundreds of pounds of copper right copper is essential for any uh, electronic product so all these ev mandates everything that says we're going to have evs we need a lot of copper well we have one of the largest copper discoveries in the nation in america it's up in alaska the biden administration will not allow it to open why because they say that opening up this copper mine is bad for the environment and you say, well, wait a second. On the one hand, you're telling us we need EVs, which require copper. On the other hand, you're saying we can't mine for copper. So how do you have that complete contradiction in policy positions? And then you say, oh, well, it's not about the environment. It's not even about EVs. It is a much uglier agenda. It is about control. It is about controlling people's movements. Uh, it, it is about some people getting extremely rich off of these. Off, heck, if the government's spending a trillion dollars to go green, Someone's making a lot of money. Maybe not you and me, but someone is making a lot of money. And this is the inherent lunacy of this green agenda. There is no coherent policy position. There's no coherent economic position. It's just pure politics. But, Daniel, as you said, I mean, this is this is wishful thinking. As long as Joe Biden or let's just say the, the current Democrat Party is uh, in control in the White House, uh, you're not going to see that. You're not going to see more drilling in the United States. You're going to see less and less and no. more of a push, uh, more of a push to you know EVs that if you're lucky, you'll get 300 uh, miles to the charge. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what's insane about this, even from the political perspective. If you were running the Biden campaign uh, and wanted to get him reelected, you would say, look, if we, Mr. President, just throw open all of the drilling permits, if we reverse a lot of our policies, which which really make producing oil and gas difficult, prices will lower. Inflation will lower, as well as just over economic, all overall economic boom. 
Um, but but it will be better for the American people. But it will also lower the price at the point at, at the barrel um, and at the cubic meter of oil and gas, and that's bad for Russia. And if Russia doesn't have as much money, they can't fund their army, and so that's good for Ukraine. And you know it's also bad for? It's bad for Iran. And if Iran doesn't have a lot of money, they can't really fund Hamas, and that's good for Israel. So, Mr. President, you could not only win re-election, you could make life better for the American people, and you could help bring about world peace. But they're not doing that, and they're not doing that because that is how great this green agenda is, and, and great by, I mean, awful, of course, but that is how big it is, how deep it is, how pervasive it is that they are foregoing an easy electoral victory, as well as world peace and economic benefits for the American people, because they'd rather be faithful to the green ideology. And if you think I'm crazy, I mean, just look at what's happening on our college campuses, yep. right? We, we, would, we yep. would rather keep anti-Semites and racists as college presidents, rather than admit that the woke agenda is wrong, right? I mean, that's how crazy wokeism is. That's how crazy leftism is. No, and, and you know the thing is, Daniel, they're going to turn around and try to make. I, I mean, everything you're saying is common. In my opinion, is common sense. And, and you know, but the left is going to try to make that sound like, oh, look at this crazy right winger and what they say. Um, Now, I got to ask you, Daniel, uh, let's say 2024 goes the way of Republicans. And let's say in January of 25, a Republican is back in the White House. How long would it take uh, to really get drilling going back on here in the United States to notice some of the things you're pointing out? About a year and a half. And I wish I could cut that timeline down a little bit. But I'm going based upon past experience and past experiences when Donald Trump was inaugurated on January 20th of 2017. It took to about the the end of the summer, beginning of the fall of 2018, that we finally started to see this enormous influx of oil and gas, which built the economy that we saw in 2019 up until the COVID crisis. Right. That's but it took that long for because these products don't come online very quickly. And that's the that's kind of the one of the interesting and, and curious and also frustrating things about fossil fuels. You can turn them off on a dime. But if you want them to get started, they require weeks and months and sometimes even years. It's, it's, it's a really complicated industry, and it's going to take a little while. But it will happen as it has happened in the past, right? It will happen. If you just allow this industry to do what we do best, which is produce oil and gas, we will produce more for a lower price point for the greatest amount of people possible. We will lower emissions. We will create jobs. It's what we've done in the past. It's only – think about this. It's only when Biden was elected did we start hearing about uh, price gouging and, and colluding for profiteering. And it's funny how they called Trump an oil shill, and they, he's a puppet for big oil. But you never heard of the, 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 the greedy oil companies uh, being hauled before Congress when Trump was president. Right? You never had them being accused of profiteering. It's only when Biden became president that all those things suddenly start to happen. So, heck, if you give us freedom – as freedom demonstrates, we will use it wisely. That's just the nature of the free markets and the American people. Daniel, last question I got to ask you, um, you know, talking about uh, oil, you know, fossil fuels and gas powered cars and you know, this administration trying to uh, get rid of gas powered cars. And I, I know you and I are both fans of uh, Kathy Hochul, who's also trying to get rid of uh, <laughs> gas powered cars. What did you think of the news from Ford that they are going to be cutting their F-150 Lightning production in half for 2024? 
Yeah, I, it, it's what happens when uh, the, the markets catch up to political pressure. And Ford was under a lot of pressure to produce this car. Biden clearly wanted the photo op of driving around the parking lot. They gave $8,500, I think, was the price uh, per vehicle in tax incentives if you bought it. Right. But none of those things can force a free people to do what they will do uh, naturally. Right. You cannot force freedom. You cannot force these decisions, which is why Kathy Hochul and others have to make the options uh, they have to remove the options. And so what do they do? They will ban gas-powered cars. Now you have no choice, right? And that is the next step. And they are doing that in California, in New York, in New Jersey, in many states. They are saying by the year 2040, you will no longer be able to buy a gas-powered car. Well, that's not really freedom, right? In fact, I think our ancestors fought a revolution about that exact mentality not long ago. Uh, and, and that is what's happening with Ford right now is when the markets catch up to what government policy wants. And, and you know, in the, in the Delta is, is tragedy. It's, it's a company that is, heck, the Dow is up 20% this year. Ford is down. That's odd, right? How many people lost their jobs as Ford, quote unquote, transitioned to appease the Biden administration? How many families are in hardship because mom or dad used to work at a Ford plant, but they don't anymore? Why? Because of Joe Biden and his green transition. So, you know, the Ford F-150 Lightning, it's a silly piece of machinery. It may be cool. It may be technologically advanced. But if you want a pickup truck, you're not spending $100,000 on one that cannot haul more than 80 miles. And that was proven by car and driver. They hitched, they hitched uh, an empty two-horse trailer to the back of the Ford F-150, and at 80 miles, it was dead. Well, a lot of people who need an F-150 need to haul things more than 80 miles. So it's a silly piece of machinery created by Washington, D.C. And D.C. does not know how to make cars. All they know how to do is create chaos, and that's what we're seeing. Hey, Daniel Turner, always great catching up with you. Talk to you soon. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. That is Daniel Turner. He is the CEO of Power of the Future. When we come back, we are talking with Frank Cusimano. He is the sports director at KSDK, talking about the St. Louis Blues. Uh, well, they are uh, they're kind of creating the blues by watching them lately. They've uh, made a change at coach, and we'll talk with him about that next here on 97.1. It is Joe Beamer in for Mark Reardon here on 97.1 FM Talk. And we're joined again by Frank Cusimano. He is the... Uh, sports director over at KSDK. Uh, Frank, uh, happy Wednesday. Good to be with you, Joe. Hope you're doing well, sir. Yes, great talking with you again. And let's talk with, uh, I, I mean, kind of, you might have been seeing this one coming, right? The, uh, the Blues losing again last night to the Red Wings, and they have uh, parted ways with their head coach. Yeah, I tell you, um, it was 11 o'clock last night, and all of a sudden I get this email from the Blues. Craig Berube has been removed from his coaching duties. And I, I will say I was stunned for a moment. And I guess there's two ways to look at this. One way you could say, wait a minute, they've lost four in a row. There doesn't seem to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And you're talking about a conference where it may come down to one game to make the postseason. So if you do this now and you end this losing skid, maybe you end up getting in the postseason. Because as we've seen in Edmonton, and in Minnesota, sometimes a coaching change can spark a club. But the way I'm leaning is the other way in that management goes out of their way at the start of this season to say, hey, 
we think we're maybe a fringe playoff team. Uh, this is not going to be our year, but if we could finish third or fourth and make the postseason, that would be success this year. Well, as we wake up this morning, they're one point out of a playoff spot. So why do you fire, you know, one of the best coaches in hockey, certainly one of the best coaches in Blues history today? You know, let me just say this, Joe. Um, in the history of St. Louis sports, if you put together a Mount Rushmore, it's Tony La Russa, it's Whitey Herzog, it's Dick Vermeil, and it's Craig Berube, and you've just fired Craig Berube. So I think the, the firing in terms of an approval rating is probably like 95 to 5 against. But, you know, the 5% are not controlling it. It's one man, Doug Armstrong. You, you got to look at that game last night, though. I mean, what happened in the third period? You get that. You, you get those three goals in the second period. You got the momentum at home, up four to three, and just a complete collapse, Frank. Yes, and um, they have a roster that's filled with not unbelievable character, with not unbelievable toughness, and it has nothing to do with the roster that won it in two thousand nineteen. Coach Berube can instill a style as much as he possibly can, but I don't think he can infuse character overnight, and he's tried for the last year and a half, and it just hasn't worked. What can you tell us about the uh, interim coach who takes over tomorrow, uh, or takes over today, and the first game with uh, him will be tomorrow against the Sens? Well, Coach Bannister is respected, and he's coached some of these guys when they're a little bit younger. So we'll see what happens. I don't think he's the long-term guy, but he's got the best chance of keeping the job because he's got a shot to turn this thing around. I certainly, as soon as this thing happened, first I felt terrible for Craig Craig Berube. He's always been great to me, great to the media, and a great coach. But then I thought about, I wonder if Joel Quinville could get reinstated, one of the great coaches in hockey history. Uh, He's still on this you know, he, he's paid a big enough price for what happened in Chicago and with his assistant coach. But bottom line is, um, I think they got to kick the tires and go to the commissioner and say, hey, can Joel Quindle be our coach? And if he can, that's the only way you can uh, get a little positive vibes out of this thing because he was an immensely popular coach who, oh, by the way, has three Stanley Cup rings on his fingers. Yeah, it, it'll be very interesting. Uh, as I said, they will uh, have their first game with the new coach tomorrow against a struggling Sens team. I mean, you can't ask for a better first opponent as a head coach. Absolutely. And this stretch, it's not only they've lost four in a row, but they haven't lost at least a couple of times. Two of the games were to last-place teams, so they're not playing juggernauts, although Las Vegas was the first one in this four-game losing streak. So this is a time period. I think this is what made it particularly frustrating for Doug Armstrong is that you needed to get some points. You needed to beat some of these last-place teams, and they end up losing. And some of the time they've lost in just a horrific way, just down 3-0, down 4-1. So it, it's been brutal, as I, I think we talked about on Monday, since that first period last Wednesday against Vegas when they have 3-1. It's just been all downhill since. Well, I, I hope the Blues can turn it around against the Sens, uh, as, as, as you know. As being a Sabres fan, I am no fan of the Ottawa Senators, so I hope uh, they have a good first game with their interim coach. Frank, I meant to ask you this on Monday. I'm glad, I thought Monday was the last time I talked to you in 2023. Today will probably be the last time I talked to you in 2023. So I've got to ask your take, your prediction on the Cotton Bowl 16 days away from now, uh, Missouri and Ohio State. What are you expecting? Well, I'm going to uh, 
be down there. I, I went to the last Cotton Bowl 10 years ago, and I have a backpack from that Cotton Bowl. And my wife told me today, hey, when you go to this Cotton Bowl, you can throw away your old Cotton Bowl bag. So I can't wait to do that. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I think it's just two programs that look at this this game, I think, in dramatically different ways. For Ohio State, it's it's a consolation game. They thought they'd be in the college football playoff. And they could have up to 10 starters. Nobody's for certain on this. But 10 starters not playing in this game. That's, that's the good news for Mizzou. The bad news is the guys coming in are probably all four-star and five-star players. I mean, Ohio State is never going to put out inferior talent. Um, I just think this is, this is like a, a, a program-defining game for Mizzou. You win this game. You finish 11-2. and two, You invade the portal. You make a couple of guys flip who committed somewhere else. Yeah, this is huge, and I just can't picture Brady Cook, Cody Schrader, and Luther Burden like not being razor sharp uh, in Jerry Stadium on December 29th. Yeah, I think Mizzou's going to win this game. I'd love to see that. Uh, I I am no fan of Ohio State. I went to go see Virginia Tech play Ohio State in 2014. After Virginia Tech won that game, Frank, I have to say, the worst experience I've had with away fans, and I've been following Virginia Tech my entire life. So hopefully it's a great uh, experience for you, and uh, hopefully Missouri uh, comes away with the win. Sounds good. Joe, great to hear your voice. If you want to talk, get my cell phone. We'll just talk off the air. Hey, I mean, I might take you up on that because I can talk. I could talk sports all day, every day. Frank, always great catching up with you. I hope you have a great uh, holiday season and talk to you in 2024. All right, Joe. Take care. Thank you, sir. That is Frank Cusimano. You you, uh, know him from uh, KSDK, where he is the sports director. When we come back after the news, uh, we'll be talking with Carol Swain. Get more at 971talk.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.